0: Anecdotes for success,
1: level up with truth, meaning, trade-offs, perspective. Brad, okay. that that's usually the good stuff. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we, we almost did it again, Matt. We we started talking and almost <laughs> fell into the trap of, of not hitting the cord. So, uh, for our listeners tonight, we have Brent Pullman on and, uh, before matt and i say anything else take us to where you want the conversation going you can go back as far as you want or what led you to being an author or a ceo you you start and then we'll ask questions
2: hold on a second you guys gotta need to be quiet i'm on got it all right sorry about that
1: no No, that's perfect we we were interrupted by dogs last week it happens
2: maybe those were dogs too. No, that's all right. Um, no, first off, thank you guys for having me on your show. Um, I'm very excited about the book and I think there's a, there's really a good message here and it really comes from the heart. So I think I'm going to talk a lot about the heart looking deep within, what does that mean? And, uh, basically I have three themes. We can go with those, those three themes. And then if there's more questions, uh, certainly I'd entertain those, but um yeah you just tell me when to go, and yeah, I'll no, go. Brent,
0: definitely let's talk about the book and and talk about you know your themes and 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 one thing that it comes to mind from just reading your 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 biography there and 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 some information on it. you you just mentioned it. you talk about coming from the heart i'd like you to get into it at some point where that comes from and why and some of those but i'm sure you will but by all means let's let's uh hear about your book and the themes and you know why why'd you write it
2: yeah no the reason behind it um i really i i think i felt like leadership i don't know about you but i've been trying to find it in books forever you can see behind me i've got hundreds of thousands of books um and i think the thing for me was i couldn't find one that really just really i could just really own and and get into and the reason i couldn't do that i think, is because. I think I realized in writing this book, that leadership really comes from your heart and you have to own it. Every person approaches leadership differently. And I think that was the key for me. And for me, um, it started off with uh, number one, I had to unpack a lot of stuff. I had to realize this is where I'm at now. And how did I get to this point? And what have I been shown? And I don't know about you, but I, I don't know if I really worked for a lot of great leaders in my whole professional career. I worked for different teams. I mean, I taught, I got into the business world. It got into the cor- uh, corporate world, but I don't know if I really had a good mentor or solid. I didn't know what success really looked like. If you were like me, you just pushed and, and went as hard as you could working extra hours to move up that corporate ladder. And that was what I was taught. I mean, you just, you stayed longer than everybody else. Cause you were hoping that you would get moving up and up. And then when the time comes, when you're really, you're, you're given, um, in my case, my dad started the, our company, and he and his two partners, the two partners reti- uh, retired, and it was my dad and myself, that's when it, everything started to come together. It's like, oh gosh, now I got to decide, where's that entrep- entrepreneurial spirit within me that I got to take over? And how does, hey, what Brent, does that look like?
0: Brent, what kind of, what kind of company is it?
2: So... Uh, right now, I didn't really say that, but I'm CEO and owner of Midwest Laboratories. We do we are in three verticals, agriculture and um, environmental testing, animal health, and human health. So we do food mm-hmm. testing, we do pet food testing, we do um, uh, water and soil and plants. So we do everything but blood is what I tell people. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> and my dad started a phenomenal company. It's been around 48 years. and wow. And, uh, when I came back in 2005, I was in marketing and I really worked in that environment with my dad and his two partners, but I really had to learn, come back to the business. i worked through high school and college, but I really wanted to again, I had all kinds of dreams when I first got there, but I really, I wasn't in a position where I could execute those. I, and I really respected what my father had built. So, um, he finally retired at the age of 80 three years ago. And from there, that's when things, again, the last last five or six years together, and then the last three years here, that's when things have really sh- come together and shaped that. So again, you have to really figure out where you're at, what's your solid why, why are you in this business? And for me, my solid why, which I didn't pr- probably have to about two or three years ago, was um, I'm a person of faith who coaches people up and leads from the heart. I really love people. I don't really think I realized that till I really got into this place. And once you, you know what fuels you and once you know where you want to go, then those are the things that uh, that kind of help take things to another level, I think. So that, that was probably the first part was really finding what was in my heart and really unpacking that part. Um, and then second was being intentional. And I think being intentional really meant a lot of things to me, but really what it meant to me was I had to get into a daily routine. I wanted to bring my A-game every single day. And the only way I could do that was first get healthier myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how unhealthy I was. I thought self-care was selfish. I thought um, taking care of you, spending too much time doing that stuff and not on the work. So I had to re- really reprogram okay. everything I thought about. And then from there, being more intention even about my faith and my values. What do I, what's going to drive me? And for me, it was about being, um, again, uh, faith in God and putting people first. And I think once I did those things, that's when things, again, coming from the heart inside out, that's when things started to come together. And then finally having a heart of gratitude every day. I drive my wife crazy, but I get out, I get outside. I start my daily routine outside if I can, or go to the gym. I just got to get that physical activity right from the beginning and get renewed, refreshed, and I found all kinds of ways to do that, as I describe in the book, but you you really, um, when you have a heart of gratitude, then you put people first, and I think the biggest thing for me on that is calling people by their name. I I've, I, don't know about you, but I went years never hear my name, or I think about it even during the day, you say, hey you, how many times do we really being intentional about really calling somebody by their name? Or as a teacher, I, learning people's, learning kids' names, it was the hardest thing for me to do. But once you know their name and they hear their name, they respond so much better. And uh, people just, because there's a personal, you've taken the time to learn their name and they actually respond. It's amazing. If you go a whole day and don't say their, somebody's name, uh, I can't do that anymore. But I used to do that all the time. So those are the kinds, those are the little things that I talk about in the book that I've just discovered for myself. And so I, I know I kind of went fast there, but I really wanted to get those ideas out there so that you guys can ask the, the questions again around yep. those kinds of principles.
0: Paul, I I, I you know sometimes I can dominate the, the questioning, Brad, so I, I apologize. <laughs> but I mean, I wrote that there's a lot of interesting things you said in there, um, one of which that that you mentioned was being intentional and routine and that kind of thing. And, and that's something that I've realized not, not that, you know, or quite recently I should say as well as routine and that discipline are so important to success. And, 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 and having, having that, I, when you said intentional, it's like every day I'm going to do this. And to me, that's discipline. To me, that's routine. Um, you know where where are the stumbling blocks there though for a lot
2: of people? I you know I don't know about you but I I I, I think most of my professional career I was reactionary. I reacted to things really fast. Um, I didn't really take them to heart. I was really very protective um, of my emotions. I get upset even at home. I would take my work home and I just I'd, I'd be I'm just very tense all the time. And I think once you start to grow some awareness you just take a step back and you say, okay, I can breathe. And it's not so so much here. And one one idea I did wanna bring out too was every day, and um, a friend of mine showed me this, and it, it's so powerful. Every day I write down what I was uncomfortable with the previous day. Hmm. So when I write it down about being uncomfortable, not, you know, uncomfortable is a good word because yeah, it's, something happens, but I need to take the time and process it. So once I process it, I can decide the priority, I can decide if it needs to be, sometimes it needs to be worked on, maybe it doesn't, maybe I overre- it keeps me from overreacting. And it's nine times out of 10, it turns into a win down the road. I'll write it down, I'll look back and i say, oh yeah, that's where I want, oh yeah, I, I got that solved, or I didn't have to take action right then. Um, but yeah, certain things like that, and there's that's something interesting. Yeah. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. That's what have you, Paul?
1: No. And, and I, I was just writing down most people just focus on all the good, whether it's exactly. likes on social media or or good things that have happened to them. And they sort of sweep the, the uncomfortable stuff under the rug and then it just compounds, doesn't it?
2: Right. And I do have to list what where did I win today? I always have to do that. So every day, where did I win today? And um, I think that's really key, too. Um,
0: Brett, Brett give me an example of some of the, um, like an uncomfortable thing. I mean, are you talking a uh, conversation? <laughs> I, I, maybe yeah. it's all over the place, but I'm, I'm very curious.
2: I'll hear something in a meeting and I'll, I'll take, and my, actually my employees know me so well. I'll take a deep breath. I'll go, you know, cause they can tell they, I, I process that way and they'll go and I'll just write it down. And sometimes I'll say, wait, you took a deep breath there. Are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> So Sometimes I talk about I say no I'll talk you know if it's really important I'll talk about it later but I'll just write it down but I find myself I always that's how I deal with it instead of reacting like someone will say um, you know uh, maybe that they call out somebody's name and say that person really acted poorly today or something okay. or did something really strange I'm like well, wow that's that's unusual or something like that or. Um, I don't It'll be an issue at work or something like that. Or maybe it's even a family, like somebody's late for a meeting. Oh, that seems strange. You know, I'll write it down and I'll think maybe I should check on if everything's okay. Did something go, Did something happen to that person?
0: Uh, I see. So you're looking at it more from a standpoint of, of something. It's not even, it makes you uncomfortable like something you're failing at necessarily or something you did or didn't do. Yeah. You're looking at it more from a, something that happened within my work environment that maybe I should pay a little attention to in the future.
2: Yeah. It's, and it's, and what, it, that, what that helped me do, especially on emails, I don't know about you, you get an email and you go, Oh my goodness. And you get ready to reply right away. And you're like, and sometimes you send it, sometimes you don't send it. Um, but what it's really helped me again, slowed me down and say, do I really want to send that? Cause I know if I send that, I know the reaction that I'm going to get on that side. Is that what I'm going after or is there a better way? Mm. Um, so it could be an email. Is something as easy as an email? I see. Um, or, but yeah, any type of incident that, you know, it could be at home. You know, it could be something at home like, wow, that that was really weird. How did, why did that happen? Or, But i usually do it in the evening and just think back through the day. Was there anything, or I'll write it down right away. I do both. I kind of do both. I like that. I like that.
1: That's awesome. I, I want to shift gears and talk about gratitude <laughs> a little bit because, uh, I have students or, or, or friends or players. Cause I coach a lot that think being positive and always feeling grateful for things, uh, is impossible because there's a lot of bad that can happen in your life. And I want to hear your take on it because I think practicing gratitude and, and you could even throw being an intentional in there, but practicing those things is the key reason you can get through bad things in your life. It,
2: it is. I use the example. I don't even know if I talk about it really this hard in the book, but I'll just share what I, I like to be in the room. Like when you coaching always just fires me up. Um, I went so far, I, I explained this example in the book, but I told my wife in 2008, um, I'm going to pretend to be a football coach. And I'm going down to the Kansas City Chiefs Coaches Clinic at Arrowhead and pretend to be a high school football coach. I never coached football. I never played football. But I wanted to be in the room with Dick Vermeil because Dick Vermeil, I heard that all these players connected with him. And I just was like, and talk about a guy with gratitude. I mean, every time you see him, he was crying or he was you know, <laughs> saying how he loves his players so much. And by the end of his talk, I was crying. I was literally in tears in his in that room. I'll never forget it because, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to sense what that power is. And that's the power we can have as coaches and players is that that energy that we bring in the room when we all have a heart of gratitude for each other and what each member of that team brings, whether it's maybe someone's really smart, maybe someone's really athletic, uh, maybe someone... In basketball, you know, I, I coach basketball, but somebody is really hot going into the second or third game. We just all recognize what's happening around us, and then we have a sense of gratitude. I want to be with these guys. I want to be on that winning team. I want, or I want to be a part of this this game, this next coming game, or uh, just be a part of this team because I can feel the energy. Um, I used to not believe that whole thing about you can feel the energy in the room. I totally believe it now. I mean, you you can certainly feel that as a coach, as a player. And you want to be a part of something special. And I think it starts with having that right attitude or gratitude in your heart to say, hey, I'm in here with a room with all these guys. I want to give it my best for this team and be out there for everybody and have each other's back.
1: That's awesome. And that energy is real. Like you can walk in a room. I can feel it right away. And and it doesn't mean you can't you can't create a new energy, but boy, it's it's so empowering when the energy is already there and you just add to it instead of having to try to I,
2: I, I do a chapter on this. Have you do you guys have know about the whoop? No. You can manage your, your you can you can get see your energy and strain all the time. And I'll tell you on my walks and my runs, when my have a great mindset, my energy and my strain goes way up. It is just the coolest thing. And uh you and I even on when I don't get enough rest, I know my energy's down. It gives me awareness that hey, I better I better be careful. I better be aware that I could get a little reactive today. And it mm. you measures your HRV, and it's so cool. I've done it for three years now, and it's Whoop, and it's uh, you just wear a strap. It's waterproof. You can you can wear it swimming, and I just always have it on all the time, and I look at my numbers, and it's amazing. I started out at zero for HRV. I had like no energy. And here in the year three, it's just crazy to see the amount of energy and it's mine. It is part of your mind and a part of your um, athletic ability. So and it, what's you know. the HRV? So a uh, heart rate variability. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, as I said, I was in the zero range and I worked with a coach and now I've hit, I've gone over a hundred a few times and I average somewhere between 40 and 60. And I think about 40 to 50 is about average for my age. I'm in my fifties, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Or if, you know, if you're out too late or you do, you know, you do, you're out having parties or celebrating, definitely your energy is going to go down, but it measures your sleep. My sleep was awful. It was, I Hmm. used to get like four hours of sleep most of my career, I think again. So I've learned that I got to kind of build up, but six to seven hours is normal, pretty much normal sleep for me. And, uh, But you can get deep sleep. When you get deep sleep, you do feel, you, again, you feel that energy, and you bring your A game every single day.
1: Oh, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that either. That's crazy.
0: Hey, Brent, let me ask you this. You'd mentioned your faith. Sounds like your faith is, is, is a, a big part of, of who you are. And, and you mentioned it in terms of leadership in and, and your book. Um, which, which um, I, I happen to subscribe to as well. But what do you, what do you say to the people who maybe aren't faith-based people, right? And and they don't, they don't, they don't see it uh, the world like that. I mean, you, are you just throw those people out and say they can't no. be leaders? I have we, a feeling the answer is no. But I, I'm curious.
2: No, I love that question. So, I wanted to find, I've tried to find probably pretty, pretty much all of my life a non evasive way to bring up the topic of faith. Mm. And the way I was able to do it, unfortunately, um, when my mother passed away from cancer, um, that's when I, I, I realized that she was a lady of prayer and she had t- hundreds of prayer journals. She would pray for her friends, she would pray for so many people. And so, the, the story is on her birthday, uh, she died in August on her birthday in November. My I didn't want my dad to be alone. So we went to a conference in Ohio. We walked into this coffee shop and on the chalkboard there in that coffee shop, it said, how can we pray for you? And anybody could write anything on that chalkboard. So I looked at my dad and I said, I think mom is trying to tell us something. So if you go into our main office at our workplace at Midwest Laboratories, you will see a prayer wall in the main entrance of our building. And it's so it's so cool to see employees, guests, um, customers, anybody can write anything there, and we pray. And they just know the company knows the employees know. That's just a special wall that if you've got something going on, you can write up there, and know that your request there is being prayed for. And I think that's so non-invasive, and I and we need to do that more. And that's I don't force that on anybody. Sure. It's just simply there, and uh, it's just a tool or just a way to say, here, we're here for you guys. If anything you want, just put it up on the board.
0: Very neat, very neat. I've never seen that I've never heard of that either. that's 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 that is not evasive, like you said and and uh probably spark some conversations and thoughts and and uh, a multitude of things.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I would say even today we're I mean we talk about the diversity, inclusion and equity we're more diverse and inclusive and and there's more equity now than ever before i get tired of the whole like did you check all these boxes or did you are you doing these things or do you have this hey it's all respect for people and regardless of your religion faith beliefs um origin ethnicity and it's great people see it they see it in your energy they see it that you care and um I talked about that calling people by their name. That is huge. I'm trying to learn 272 employees. We grew from about 150 to 272 during COVID. So Uh, how
0: how are a couple questions? Yeah. How are you doing meeting that 272? And why did you grow so much
2: during COVID? So we're essential business. So we stayed we stayed open during COVID for testing, food testing, especially on that side, and pet food testing, which are really big pet food testing, to give you some idea, we get about a thousand samples a day and we have to turn results out in three days on different tests. And then like um, on the agricultural side, we do soil testing. We're probably the largest soil testing lab in the country. We do after harvest, uh, growers will send their soil samples in and we'll get anywhere from 20,000 to 40,000 a day. So we're like a big production lab that does testing uh, at at a high volume basis. But all that being said, during COVID, we grew. Um, we grew, but we also were wearing masks. So I didn't I didn't know people's names. We grew so many, we had all these people. So about a month ago, I decided I needed to learn people's names. So I met with every single department. And we, I just simply asked, when did you start? What's your name? When did you start? And tell me something about you uh, that nobody in this room knows about you. Well, what I've learned, through that process is that we either have a circus or a zoo more I, our employees have more animals than i i could ever count i had one employee next to me that had she said after work i go home i go to my living room and i hang out with my 38 tarantulas i'm like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was like whoa whoa yeah, okay. you, you should see my reaction i was like what what does that help you remember people's names? Does that help
0: you remember people's names? Exactly, <laughs> having some sort of some sort of something.
2: Yeah, connect with. Yeah, I think it was cool because we didn't talk about work. We actually had to think about something about themselves, and it was just amazing the different answers. And then the second part, I said they could ask me anything about the company or business, and I got a lot of really good answers. And I think people are finally. People who wa- always wanted to know, like, where the company's going, because that's really a concern these days. How's your company going? Are we growing? Um, and I thought those were really good questions. A lot of a lot of good questions about that, where the company was headed. And uh, I think it was a good way to connect with the employees. And I'm still learning names, but, but believe me, I still, it takes, I told them, you got to tell, you got to stop me, because I, I don't, I, I really, it's really tough to know that many people. People's names, but I'm I'm gonna work at it. I'm gonna continue to do that.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That that's incredible. I mean, I I've had instances in my career where it's just a revolving door of administrators. And when the new one comes in, nobody ever sits down. Hey, I'll meet with all the teachers and ask them what they do in the summer or, or something unique about yourself. It's always right into curriculum and right into what you can do and can't do. And, you know you talk about an energy downer that 100 percent I'd like to see what you're reading on your your whoop said when you' were meeting with these employees like with the tarantulas and
2: <laughs> <laughs> well I, and you know that that I, I think that kind of stuff does I know me and again that's why I said leadership is different for everybody but for me it is there is a fuel I get uh fired up I do get energy from just talking with other people and understanding where they're where what's you know what's on their minds, what what's what do they find that's really exciting for them? What are their what are their dreams? I always tell them you should have dreams. That's how to work, you know, just make sure you do you have you have work, but go pursue something else and uh make sure you're working on those things. And I've I think um we've kind of lost a little bit. Some people have it and some people don't and, and everyone's a little different. But um I think I try to encourage like that, like you said, the coaching coaching up, that's really part of that process. When people know that you care about them, they're going to respond. You'll go further faster with people than any technology. I'm still convinced of that. And that's how we grew. Yeah, I did, really didn't answer that question, but we grew, added more people, and we're still growing at a rapid pace right now.
0: Well, Brent, uh, one of the questions I always have for, for anyone, certainly this is an expertise of yours, but you know, I'm in a situation where I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a leader as well. And one of the things that often comes to mind is, how do I know that I'm being effective as a leader? Is it my sales are up? Is it my turnovers is down? Is it because everyone pats me on the back and tells me what a great leader I am? You know, you know, like which, by the way, is not happening that often. So that <laughs> hopefully that's not it. You, you know, how, how does how does a and whether again, whoever's in a leadership position, it can be a, a, a number of areas. How do you how do you know you're effective?
2: Okay. I think I, my best answer to that was, and it was a hard lesson for me. I really had to get out of the day-to-day operations. I saw my, my dad was in the day-to-day operations his whole life and never really thought strategically or really thought five years from now. I, I reluctant, I was kind of reluctant at first, but my leadership team, I have a really fantastic leadership team. And they said, you need to be out of the day-to-day we need new facilities During COVID, we bought a 176,000 square foot building on 27 acres for eight million dollars. I mean, obviously, we were either really smart or really foolish at the time during COVID. (laughs) Uh, But uh, today, we probably sell that for about three times that. But they really needed; they were really telling me, "You are the future of the company, and you need to focus on those things." Let us, the team. Uh, take over the day to day operations, and I, I think that was the key for me. When you invest in your team and they are given the freedom to do things in the operations, it's amazing uh, the impact that that can have. And so, my like my second in command, she, I'm in my fifties, she's thirty five, and we have this dynamic, this great dynamic that every morning we uh, text and, and say a prayer for each other, and then. Uh, throughout the day, we just kind of check in maybe once in a while, but at the end of the day, we get a summary of what happened that day. I know more about the company today than I did five years ago when I was in the day-to-day. It's amazing to me that I I know more what's happening because I'm I'm letting my team do the day-to-day operations.
0: That's that's interesting, Brent, because I, I subscribe to the same theory, and it you know I've got a pretty big system myself and getting out of the way and getting out of the day-to-day is difficult as it is at times and what is i'm kind of still in this process of doing so as i build and expand but it has been so important for our business to thrive and 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 give you know my 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 theory i guess is give give my get st- my my teammates I, I you know staff it does, makes it feel like they're working for me and i don't feel like that i feel like we work together but get up a- give them direction let's talk about goals let's talk about where we're trying to get to and let them get creative and let them come up with you know new ways and 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 get out of their way and and you know they do things that i can't even i can't even imagine and it sounds like you kind of experience the same kind of thing
2: I do. And working with scientists, maybe you know from, I don't know what what course you teach, but scientists are a little bit different than your, they're very analytical. But I have scientists now who want to go back and get their MBAs because they want to know more about leadership, which says a lot to me that, okay, we're really, they're getting out of the analytical. They see the importance of leadership and they know it's all about people. So they want to get better at those things. And that's, you ask where the wins are. You know, somebody call them soft wins. I, I mean, those are so critical to me. They're better. They're bigger than any KPIs. If you get those things right, the 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 top line revenue, those things will take care of themselves. They really will. In my and I, I know that's really easy for me to say, but I've just seen it in the last four years how critical and how important that is. Because I, I used to worry all the time about the bottom line. I used to worry all the time. And we weren't doing so hot either, by the way, that at that point, because I didn't want to add more people. And I really wanted to keep lean and keep cutting and making sure uh, all expenses were cut out, because that was really what I grew up with, with a lot. Um, mm. But if if you take the chance, you invest more in the people and uh, in the teams and in their ideas, as you said, then you you'll see the the benefit, the fruits of that effort uh, through your people. Definitely. That's a
1: great lesson. That's a great story. That really is. It's it's great listening to you two talk uh, because <laughs> no, and I I mean that in sincerity because it is an educator. We're not always allowed. I, I'm a little fortunate that I can, but you're not always allowed to just get out of the way and let students be creative like you would let a teammate or an employee do it. And I catch you a lot of flack sometimes for that. But uh, what I'm intrigued about with your book is you you look within. I mean that that's part of the title, but you you did so and realize you need to listen more to everybody else and then get out of their way. And the, the whole process of what you guys just want to uh, went through, I, I think is incredible because I think most leaders or uh, CEOs or, or whatever you're in charge of fall into the downward spiral of I've got to work harder. I've got to be more involved. I can't let anybody else fail. It's all on me. And you guys completely just, through that. You you did the complete opposite for the last 15 minutes. And I, I I hope our listeners really understand how valuable that is. I don't I didn't want to interrupt, but I felt like I had to say something. <laughs> that's great. That's great. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm glad you pointed out. I mean for our listeners,
0: because that is and there's there's times when that's not the case, of course. I'm sure Brent would 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 agree, but you know, letting people kind of go and and fly on their own and and you know kind of look i'm the same way i'm looking five ten years down the road in my world and and um and and there's a place for that as well and um but uh um brent i i had another question for you on on um and i know we're getting cl- we're close on time here so i could always
1: read paul's face on that so uh, well, I'm the teacher, you know, class yeah, is going to be dismissed. It, so. it, it, it,
0: exactly. You know, what what me that I've thought about writing a book as well, but I'm always mm-hmm. have this problem where I'm like, what gives me the right to write a book? Like, how dare I kind of thing? So, Brent, how dare you write a book? Like, What? what, oh, what I gave you the, the the gumption to do such I- a thing.
2: I know. It seems very arrogant. And um, like, who's this guy who knows all these answers? And uh, I would have said the same thing uh, a few years ago. I think what it was, um, I think what it really was for me is I, and maybe you're like this too, you guys are like that. I read self-help books. I can't stand them because I, and I, or I read leadership books. I might get one point out of it. I'm not writing books that has the perfect 10 steps for you to follow. I'm not, I I did not want that. And truth be told, I wrote the book with a ghostwriter. That's how I started. Okay. Uh, And uh, a well-known ghostwriter in your area, Dan good. He wrote the Ken Caminiti story. Great book. If you get a chance to read that. Um, But he helped me organize my thoughts because I had so many themes and ideas but I got done with the first draft, true story, and my wife. Wa- I hadn't, and they said, Don't let your wife read it, don't let anybody read it till you're all the way done. I got all the way done. My wife read, and she goes, This isn't you. I don't know who this is. And she was right. And so what it really took was I had to spend another year, own the the draft that I had just created with the ghostwriter, and really put it in my own words. Mm. And so when I did that, I really took ownership from the content standpoint, and I really wanted a positive book that really, again, lifted people up and showed that yes, I here's some ideas, here's some things that I did. If one of these resonates with you, great, you know. But I just I thought it was really important to just say hey, this is this is who I am. Take it or leave it. I had a I had one teacher who kind of did that. This is the way I think. And I always remember that. So I, I'm going to tell you how I think. And you can take that. You you can use it. You can disagree with it. But I'm just going to, I'm going to show you some things. And I wrote a very simple, easy to read book. Uh, my mother-in-law read it in one sitting. And she thought it was great. Because I think that's the other thing. We get these books and they're... Th- we, who has time to read a 300-page book anymore? And who wants to read a 300-page book? Uh, this book, again, you could probably read in about two hours. It's very quick. And I thought that was very... That was one of the other ideas I just thought, simple, something you can grasp, take it. Here's some questions at the end to think about, but it's you, You have you, leadership is all about the person. They gotta find it for themselves. That's really my message to everybody in the book is you gotta find it yourself. You can find it all different ways. People can give you all kinds of ideas, but grab on and hold on to what resonates with you because every person has a different heart. I'm convinced of that. Everybody comes at it from a different approach and I think that was really important for me. There's no one way to do leadership. you got to find it yourself uh, based on your circumstances, your environment, everything. And that was really the message of the book is how I kind of approached it. But I, I agree. I, I was the same way. Why am I writing this book in the beginning? But um, I really, it really helped me, again, really focus on some things and really unpack some things. And, um, and then, again, get to a good place to, to move forward. And that's where I thought was really uh, important. So those are the things that I kind of decided were important and I wanted to share it with others.
1: This is incredible. Now it just came out last week, right?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: I I mean, it's, I want you to share with our viewers where they can find it websites. I know I'm going to be ordering a copy. I mean, I, I love stuff like this and the things you've said in this episode have just you, you did a good job of making me curious to want more, too. So, <laughs> okay. so mission accomplished.
2: <laughs> well, thanks. No, no, this was easy. You guys were really yeah. easy to talk to. I love discussion-type uh, podcasts. Um, I do much better. And that's the other thing. I mean, that's the kind of thing. I think that's the way we should have things, is more discussions. Great. Um, yep, you can yep. find the book at ceoofyourheart.com. Okay. And... You can uh, the probably the fastest way amazon the books on amazon i think the fastest way is if you just search my name first and last name there's not too many brent pullman products or services out there and you'll get there right away um and uh again it's a, it's um it's available i I've, I've heard some good reviews on it uh, i just want to get to the hands of people and leaders um i have the best conversations one-on-one with people online or in person i get more out of these kind of discussions uh than anything and uh, i think this is great
1: so we love it now we enjoyed you so much we'll probably bug you in the future sometime to come back i'm putting you on the spot right now okay uh probably book two by then (laughs) (laughs) no I.
2: Well, I don't know who knows. I'm not going to say no. Right. Cause right. I don't know who knows, but um, no, there's a lot, but uh, no, I th- thank you again, guys. I know we're running up on time, but uh, I really, really appreciate uh, Paul, Matt, er- all the questions you, uh, you guys asked and um, I can feel the energy. This is great. I like yeah. yes. Check that's your meter. Well, yeah. that's that's right. cool. <laughs>
1: Brent, thanks. Thanks so much. And we wish you all the best with your, with your new book and, and your growing business. I mean, there's not enough hours in the day, right?
2: Yeah, no, there isn't. No. So thanks again. This was great. No, thank, thank you. you. Ho- All right. And
1: hold on one second.